This is the Mealtime Magic and Mayhem podcast. I'm Trisha Clark, your host, cooking coach, and kitchen mentor. We're here to talk about all things food, wine, travel, cocktails, and mealtime memories. So many memories are made around the table. We all know mealtime can be stressful, full of chaos and mayhem, but it's also the universal connector, a catalyst for communication and connection, and a time to create magic and memories. So many of our memories are tied to food, and I can't wait to share some of those stories with you here. I'm here to share ideas, inspiration, and stories to help you experience mealtime with a dash of magic and just a sprinkle of mayhem. You can expect new episodes weekly, including a mixture of interviews, personal stories, and some fun conversations about our adventures and misadventures in the kitchen and around the table. I hope you walk away feeling inspired to try something new in your kitchen or around your table to create more connection with your friends, family, and beyond. Thanks for being here. Welcome to another episode of Mealtime Magic and Mayhem. Today, I am interviewing Kate Cornelius. She is a mom of five, a multi-business owner living in the hills of East Tennessee. She owns businesses with her husband, and they've dedicated their lives to empowering others to choose healthier alternatives within their lifestyles to embody the life they desire. They operate a retail brick and mortar, as well as support coaching and growing sacred solidity, which empowers soul-led humans to catalyze radical transformation without losing momentum, using mindful accountability and authentic expression. And she's really here to talk to us today about you can find a meal plan that fits your schedule, and that how eating at home reduces waste and saves money and how this has really freed up extra time for her and her family. And I can really relate to a lot of that as a mom, not a mom of five, but a lot of what I want to talk to you about is really about balance and how you juggle all the things because I think we all struggle with that. And so welcome, Kate Cornelius. I'm so excited you're here. Thank you. I'm super excited. Yeah, I get that balance question a lot because it seems unreasonable. You're like, look, Five kids, multiple businesses, 24 hours in a day. Like, how are we really doing all of these things? It's an interesting question. It's an interesting skill set, I think, to be able to build up when you're trying to manage all of these things in life. And having five kids, especially in this economy that we have, in this world that we're living in, like, it's expensive. Kids are expensive. Right. And it doesn't matter whether you have one or you have five like I do, or you're one of the upper kind of families that has, you know, six, seven, 10 plus, et cetera. Like it starts to wear on you over time when you have to constantly create, when you have to constantly bring new things in and you have to constantly try to manage all of these different personalities within your household. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So before we really get started, I want to ask you, one of my favorite traditions on the podcast is to ask a fun question. I feel like these really help you get to know people on a different level, not to mention sometimes they just result in hilarious conversation. So your question today is, which foodie trend could you never follow? I couldn't ever follow the foodie trend of trying like the gross Skittles. Do you remember that when, or not the Skittles, the jelly beans. Do you remember when people used to come out <laughs> yes. with like, either the, the sock flavored jelly beans. I never got into that. <laughs> I am not a fan of putting disgusting flavored food, whether it's candy or any other type of food into my body in any capacity. <laughs> I just I can't do that. 
we did embrace that for a while, but more because my kids really pushed us to, and we had, it was like the birdie bots game and it had like a little spin board and you would spin and it would tell you the color of the jelly belly that you were supposed to eat. And you just didn't know if it was going to be one of the gross ones or not. Like that was part of the fun, but I'm not going to lie. Like it was pretty hilarious to see my son eat the earwax one. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like the look, I wish I had captured those moments on video and saved them for blackmail. I could imagine my kids' faces doing that. I'm also really thankful that we did not have that game and that was not something that we did. Yeah. I mean, it didn't last long because once I had to actually eat them, we were done. (laughs) So it was a short-lived, the things you do for your children at least once. Yeah. Yeah. I can get behind that part. Yeah. So we've already talked about you wear a lot of hats, which I feel like many women and moms can relate to from owning multiple businesses. And then your business, Sacred Solidity, where you support with coaching. How do you maintain, and I hate the word balance, quite honestly, I Mm -hmm. think it's bullshit. Like, I don't think balance actually exists. (laughs) I think everything kind of takes their, you lean in one place or the other, right? And then we've called that balance, which I think is kind of uh, misleading, but let's call it synergy among all of those things. Like what are a couple of the key things that you've learned that you have to implement along the way, even outside of the meal planning realm? I agree with you. I don't think balance is an actual thing. I think all of us as human beings are really just sitting on this spectrum with one goal in mind. I think all of us are sitting here saying, look, I want to make this life relationships, whatever this is for you. I want to make it go as well as possible. And I want to do so with the least amount of harm, right? Period. That's it. I want to be able to do what I want to do and not feel bad about it pretty much 99% of the time. That's all we're saying. Okay. And I think all of us stand behind that. And then we look at life and we say, okay, well, we've been given these words like balance, which we equate to equality, right? Mm -hmm. Something that is equal on both sides, which we've experienced life is not that way ever. It's not ever in the ones of history ever been a thing. And we all are looking at that and we're saying, okay, well, dang, how am I going to be able to make that work for me? How am I going to be able to make this go right for me so that I can have what I want? I can have my cake and I can eat it too, right? Mm -hmm. So you can pretty much up as a overall. I am someone who I I love savory meals. I love a good home, a hearty meal with family around. And if I could do all of that in like a one pot meal, I a hundred percent would a hundred percent of the time. Like that's the kind of person that I am. And so I look at balance and I say, okay, well, if my goal is to be able to make all of these things go well, and to do it with the least amount of harm, right? Everyone is satisfied. Everyone pretty much has basic needs met. Everyone full bellies. We're all going to bed, doing a good job today. Then I've met the mark on that. And I look at balance more like fluidity, almost the synergy that you're talking about. And I think once you start to look at it like that, once you start to look at all of your areas of life like that, not just meal planning, not just the way you operate your business, not just your relationships, but all of it. And you look at all of it in the way that it's flowing. It becomes a lot easier to look at your day and be like, cool, how can we make that one work? 
Hey there, my fellow food lovers. Are you ready for a mealtime transformation? Introducing the Cook, Connect, and Conquer Club. For just $37 a month, you get access to monthly workshops, all the replays, connect with fellow women in a vibrant community, access to exclusive events, and build your own personal resource library full of recipes, meal planners, handouts, and more. It's not just about cooking. It's about creating memorable mealtime moments and boosting your kitchen confidence. Check out our website and join the Cook, Connect, and Conquer Club today. You know? Yeah, yeah, you're right. It, it really does. And that is so much of a lot of similarities in that and in my services in terms of it really is about embracing the fluidity and figuring out what works for you and that there is no one size fits all. How can I help you develop those processes to ebb and flow with all the things you have going on in life? I think you put that absolutely beautifully. Yeah. And that's really how I stumbled into the way that I handle meal planning or meal prepping and still being able to make sure that everyone is taken care of. And I'm still like, I have dinner ready by 530 at the latest every day that I am making dinner. And that's irrespective of anyone else's schedule, right? That's still making sure that these kids, I have four older kids and then I have a younger, my younger son is seven. So I have basically six adults that are in this household, adult type individuals with their yeah. own lives. Adult eaters, if you will. <laughs> right. But little leaders that are just trying to make it and they're using brain power and they're using so much physical energy and they're trying to make it in life, just like all of the rest of us. And when I started off, like trying to navigate this way of like managing a big family while still trying to chase dreams, while still trying to contribute and make sure that, you know, we had enough financially to support everybody. I had a hard time kind of balancing the difference between the time management aspect of how can I get everything handled versus how do I do it in a way where it's good, right? Where everyone feels good about it. And I'm still getting done the things that I need to get done, right? That was a really hard part. People with young kids, it's kind of like toddler phase, right? <laughs> Trying to manage that kind of like in toddler phase. But I found out very, very quickly that the more I was able to prioritize this fluidity, the more I was able to kind of like look at schedule and look at preference and look at the way I could start supporting people in my world the better I became at managing the components of what it took to like really navigate balance in my own life, including with meal planning. You you know, you had mentioned in our previous conversations that you dislike cooking all the time, right? And or being the only one to really cook. And so for you, it became more of a have to than an enjoy it. Not mm -hmm. to mention balancing the active fine meals that everyone will eat. And I know you've mentioned that you and your husband would likely be vegetarians if you didn't have to feed these kids. <laughs> and so it's really cool that you found what works for you. And you've touched on the art of having a homemade dinner every night of the week, but you only cook three times a week, right? So kind of what's your secret sauce, if you will, for meal planning and yeah. What's your secret sauce for meal planning? And I'll finish up with the second part of my question after you answer. Okay. So when I first started out, have you ever had the experience where like 
you go to the store and you get one of those jumbo packs of chicken and you stick it in your freezer and it's your entire five pound block of chicken that you now have to defrost and you're like, okay, well, we're eating chicken for like four days. That's where we're at. <laughs> so I used to be really bad at planning before like I actually got myself into a schedule of cooking and that would happen a lot. Like we're having chicken for multiple days. When I was in those moments of creating stuff, I found out that I just put a little forethought into the way that I wanted to approach this particular piece of poultry that we were going to be using. Then I could space it out in a way where, one, I made something that everyone enjoyed consistently, like people really like chicken parm, as an example. So we can do breaded chicken in a particular way, but I can use it in pasta. I can use it in salads. I can use it in this kind of fashion. And what I started to do was I started to create these blocks of items that I could start using and preparing together, which when I was actually working a nine to five, I had to do so that I could get the kids fed before they had to go to bed when they were little. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I can make that work. I can make this work in a way where I don't have to cook every day because I'm tired of it. Like that makes me feel like Cinderella. I had a family because I want to enjoy these people and help raise them into amazing human beings, not to be a slave. So how can I utilize this time the best? And what I ended up doing every time that I would make these mistakes is really what they were. It's mostly I forgot to take something out of the freezer and like actually separate it into usable quantities. And so because of this mistake, now I have the opportunity to, well, free up a lot of other time that I have. That was a fantastic find, right? I could have looked at it like a mistake or I could have said, let's use this to our benefit, which is what I ended up saying. And from that one experience, I was able to take one meal and make it into, depending on how much everyone wanted to eat, three meals, four meals, right? Like, yeah, that's insane when you're thinking about a large family and having to cook every day. And the more I did that, the more I was able to find key pieces that my family enjoyed that everyone agreed on. It met every dietary need that was required. There was not going to be any complaining. And it meant that they also ate leftovers. Like how many of you guys in your house throw out so many pieces of hard-earned money? That was money that I was slaving away for in a nine to five to come and rush to cook for you guys before you had to be in bed that we were just tossing out. Well, and that food waste just feeds that cycle of failure. Right? You're like, okay, so I cooked dinner for everybody, but now I still failed because I wasted it. Like we never feel like we get to check the box. Right. Right. So I sat here in this moment and I said, okay, the very first one that we happened upon, like chicken and rice is a a pretty standard meal for everybody most of the time. Right. So I ended up with like a chicken and rice kind of dinner and A lot of people did one of my very first jobs was I worked at a Chinese restaurant. I helped those owners go and open a Japanese restaurant. And my kids used to get a lot of this. um, It was tonkatsu. If you go to a Japanese restaurant, right? They got the rice and then they got like the fried little chicken patty or pork chop or whatever on top of their rice. And I realized I could start using that. And then we moved them into chicken parmesan, like a deconstructed chicken parm. 
first, right? Yeah. And then we moved that into, that's how I got my kids eating vegetables like salads. Then we moved it into, this is a fried chicken salad, right? And so now I got three meals out of one mistake that happened to be in a rushed moment. And my kids ate all of them. And my kids got healthier and they wanted to eat more vegetables and they wanted to participate in making these meal plans and this food for, Hey, we're going to be having chicken for a week. (laughs) Okay. How do we want to navigate this? You've hit on something really important there that I think a lot of times in our quest to get it done faster, because it feels like a chore, the natural instinct is to keep them out of the kitchen, right? To keep them out of the meal planning. Cause the mindset then can sometimes be like, I've got too many people telling me what they want for dinner, but involving Mm -hmm. them in the process is a huge game changer for getting them to try all of those new foods. It also takes some of the pressure off of you when they can say, I want to try chicken this way, or I love chicken that way. And think of it as whoever was listening, because you clearly spelled this out, like think of it as an opportunity that you don't have to waste your brain power to come up with it. Right? Like it started to create this, bank of trusted recipes that I knew for a fact I could go to. And not only did it create this bank, but I'm only cooking three days a week, right? So the way that my schedule started to break down, because I know you guys are like three days a week, there's seven days, Kate, like, what are you doing here? (laughs) Okay, so the way that this actually breaks down is I would cook on Mondays, so that I didn't have to cook on Tuesdays, because it was a late day, particularly when I was working, right? So on Mondays, I would cook, uh, say we had this chicken and rice, then they would use that chicken that on Tuesday, all they had to do was make noodles and open a jar of sauce. Whoever was there, whoever was able to do it, noodles in a pan, open some sauce, you guys have chicken part, like, perfect. That's two days. Chicken, I didn't have to cook anything. Then on Wednesday, I would cook something else. So say we had skirt steak. Cool, we're going to have steak tacos. And then we're going to use that steak and we're going to move that on Thursday into whatever that next meal is. Then on Friday, same thing into Saturday. Sunday became a free day. Cereal for dinner? Absolutely. Absolutely. You guys can, right? It started to be able to navigate. What if we want pizza one night? What if soccer runs over and I have to go stop and get leftovers? Cool. I can just shift that schedule by one day. I'm still only cooking three days a week. Everyone else is still satisfied. And all of the needs are being met. And I eliminated so much time, not just in planning, not just in prepping, but I reduced shopping time, Mm -hmm. right? I spent less time at the grocery store shopping because I knew that if my kids were like, okay, mom, I really want chicken parm. Like, that's my favorite. It's on the schedule for this week. This is what it takes. Now we're planning our schedule for the week. Like everyone started to get more involved. And I enjoyed being a mom more. I enjoyed, like, I love cooking. Don't get me wrong. I love cooking when I want to. Yeah. When it's the thing that I want to cook, right? And mm-hmm. that comes from the burnout. That comes from I'm constantly having to think and plan and navigate and clean up and prepare. Make decisions. Right? That's the burnout portion. Mm-hmm. I love cooking and I love eating and it's a necessity on top of loving it, right? Yeah. Right. So now I've created a luxury where I can still enjoy it and I can enjoy it more because there's not constant back and forth between everybody. It's been phenomenal. 
It's been phenomenal. You're so speaking my language. <laughs> so speaking my language. I think the other thing that you hit on that I think is important is when we meal plan, we have fend for yourself nights or what we call encore mm-hmm. nights. And so I love your theory of we have this chicken. And so let's say life goes crazy and all of a sudden you have a call that's going long. Maybe it's not chicken parm night, but they know there's chicken there and all these things that you have around where they have something they can fend for themselves. Now that you've got older kids, they're old enough to heat the chicken up on their own and put it together with something else that also releases the pressure. And so you can still use this system of yours, this philosophy of yours, and include those spend for yourself nights where it's not that you're just not cooking, but literally everybody else can figure out what they want to eat. Well, you know, I was lucky enough to stumble upon it and to start creating this at a point where my kids were young enough to begin to start learning to fend for themselves, right? So now they're older. So I have a 21-year-old, so 21, 18, 16, 14, and 7. Those are my kids' current ages. And the older four, now they can start looking and planning and they can make me dinner. Yeah, I don't have to do anything at this point, right? Because they learned those skills as they were going and they were easy enough recipes. Like the recipes that we've kept and that we use consistently are like some of those under 10 ingredients, less than 15 minute to make kind of things. Right. And so they learned how to start doing that. And not only are they more proficient, but now they are excited to go and create those to bring them to me to have, Yeah, which I mean, I've waited my whole life for this. (laughs) They also have the skills to feed themselves when they move out. And as somebody who didn't have that, I can't tell you how amazing that is. Right. I was ill-equipped to be released into the wild. And it was a long road for me to get where I am. Like I grew up an extremely picky eater. I didn't know how to cook. I didn't know what things cost. I didn't know like, girl, that's a whole nother podcast episode anyway. And so I think really teaching them those skills, not just teaching, exhibiting, leading by example and involving them in the process teaches them a whole different level of skills, even outside of the cooking skills, right? Yeah. I always felt ill-equipped to be an adult also. Like, I don't know who gave me this card to raise little humans. I don't know who gave me the card to live in a house by myself. I don't know who told me that this was okay. But a lot of times, I think we get to this place where... We needed to know how to prep ourselves for the direction that we're going. And like, especially when I think about food, because it's such a necessity to our survival, like quite literally, Mm -hmm. you guys, like you have to eat. It's kind of a thing, right? And think about how many people are like, I zero clue how to cook. My spouse doesn't, right? Or I like, I thought about my kids. I have three boys, Leave that thought into your head for a minute. I thought for a second, I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to die. Like They're going to leave home and they're going to instantaneously die because there's no one to cook food for them. And that thought alone, like I had, it was my middle son, my now middle son. He was probably six. And I was like, if I died today, everyone's gone. Like, I don't know what they would do. And it turned it around for me to the point where I was like, oh, nope, they got to learn. Like they have to learn how to do these things. And I started to listen to all of those adults who were like, nope, I don't know how to do it. I've never, someone said they didn't know how to cook rice. I was like, what do you mean? You don't know how to cook rice? Like it's water. It's like water and rice. Like it's two things. 
What do you yeah. mean you don't know how to do it? Like I was baffled and I was surprised. Thought for a second, I was like, man, for all the things that I am ill-equipped to handle in life, I'll be able to make food. I got this one. I got this, this one. I have. <laughs> so, you know, with everything you've explained, you really do understand that delicate balance of meal planning for a busy family. But given that you cook three times, like, you know, you cook three times a week, you've got five kids all with varying schedules. You and your husband, I'm sure, have varying schedules with all of your businesses. How have you managed to create that sense of togetherness and connection during meals, despite all of those challenges? We have only a few select rules in our household, especially, and they all center around dinner, of course, because it's the one time that most of us are in the house together. So nobody is allowed to bring electronics to the table. If there is food, electronics are not allowed to be involved. Everyone, usually when they're at dinner, we go around and they share about their day. They share what was good, what was bad, what they could have done better, um, anything that is just relevant to them. And oftentimes they're sharing that even when they're cooking with us, right? Even when they get in the car after school, they're excited to be a part of an experience where they feel loved and cared for. And then, of course, they're asked to help. They're asked to help with making dinner, cleaning up, coming up with meal plans, participating in being a part of community. Because at dinner, especially, that's what it is. We're communing. We are connecting. We are being a part of a community, people who love us and care for us and support us. And whether you call them family or you call them friends or roommates, doesn't matter as long as we are connecting and making an effort to actually be mindful and present and courteous to those who are around us because we love them and care about them. Yeah. It's really our one opportunity and not the only one, but to me, I'm trying to find the right word. I don't know if I'd say easiest, but it is in my opinion, one of the easiest times of the day to really help your people feel seen, loved, and heard because of things you hit on. You have to eat. We all have to eat to survive, right? So why not take advantage rather than feeling like we have to rush through it, find the things that work for you and really take advantage of those moments you have with them to make sure they feel seen, loved, and heard. That's your chance to hear about their day, whether it's helping you prepare dinner or around the table, right? Mm -hmm. They already have that. You've put love into the food. They can taste it. They already feel welcomed and accepted, which makes them more apt to open up about their day because they feel part of something. Yeah. So teenagers. <laughs> and how do you get them to open up about their day? Because so often they love those one word answers. And I know the things that we've tried over the years, but what has worked for you and your family to get past that? Like it was fine. Nothing. I don't push those conversations. I think we all get to a place, even as an adult, I'm someone who's like, you know what? Today, I'm going to shut down and I'm going to hermit and I don't want to speak to somebody. I tried to give my kids a lot of open space, I guess is a good word for it, to be able to process and to come to terms with the level of involvement that they want to have when participating. And, you know, as parents or individuals or just human beings in general, I don't think we have the luxury to stand in and say, you know what, like you guys have to perform every second of every day. I don't think we get the luxury to tell people that they have to participate in the ways that we want them to. 
Now, I, of course, always initiate. I always ask. I always leave the door open. And there are a lot of times where I'm met kind of like with the proverbial slamming of the door, right? I'm going <laughs> to keep my headphones in or I'm going to... And remember, no electronics are allowed at the table, right? They yeah. think that if the phone's not there, but a headphone is in, that they've skirted an issue, right? You're like, mm, no. <laughs> As teenagers, I think all of us buck the system. They try to skirt by. One thing I do notice is that even on those days where they want to shut the door in my face and they want to walk off, they still actively sit and listen to everybody else. They'll still actively participate with maybe the one sibling they're in good graces with for that day while they roll (laughs) their eyes at everybody else. They are still, in fact, participating. And they are still, in fact, I guess, kind of overcoming the isolation that comes with not having community. Mm -hmm. And it just happens to be on their own terms. And then they always come back down, usually when they want to come and get a snack and they try to have conversation. So it's just leaving the door open for me. I think allowing that space kind of in the same way that you would allow for, I don't know, different seasonings and different meals to kind of elevate the taste. It gives it a little bit more spice and it keeps it interesting to know that as a parent, I don't get it right as often as I think I probably should, or as often as other people think that I probably should. But I believe I'm doing pretty well in letting these people be who they need to be while saying what I need to as a parent to keep them safe and healthy and functioning in this world that they are about to be a part of. Well, it sounds to me like you're raising wonderful human beings and contributing members of society. And so kudos to you. Thanks. It's not an easy road, right? Uh, Mine are 19 and 24. So for some of us, like I I gave up a long time ago on the how was your day question. And, you know, like the question I asked you earlier, I keep tons of those questions around and I start asking stupid things like if you could be on a talk show, what would it be and why? Because quite often those questions will bring out something about their day or how they see the world that they're not willing to communicate in another way because they don't feel comfortable And so for anybody listening, those kinds of questions, if you're getting the doors, the proverbial or even virtual door slammed in your face, there are other ways to get them to open up by engaging with somebody else at the table with those interesting or open-ended questions. You can buy table topics on Amazon. They've got a gazillion different themes, but they're super fun. And we've gotten to the point now where my kids are like, what's the next question? And they're 19 and 24, and they still want to know what the next question is, right? To know that you're so loved and someone is curious about a thought that you have. No matter how silly it is. Where do you want to go? If you could go back in history and talk to anyone, who would it be? Right? Like it gives you such perspective on how they see the world. That reminds me of the meme where they're like, no one asks me my favorite dinosaur is anymore. Yes, exactly. That's awesome. So for anybody who's listening. If you have questions about how to create the system of your own, that's where I come in. But Kate, before we sign off, I want to talk to you about your business. I want you to tell us a little bit about Sacred Solidity and the transformations that you work on. Can you share an example, obviously without giving away anything confidential, of the kinds of transformations that you see with your clients through your guidance and how this kind of enriched your own journey as well? Yeah, so Sacred Solidity is a conscious business model. I use a lot of healing modalities like law of attraction. I utilize 
astrology, human design, these different, um, I guess, for lack of a better word, spiritual modalities that allow me to help individuals not only recognize, but better utilize and implement the energy that they personally have so that they're able to kind of find that balance for themselves in their own life. So some of the transformations that I have helped people with, uh, I have a lot of spiritual entrepreneurs who come to me who are trying to figure out initially how to utilize the modalities that I use so they can get better, quicker, faster success in their businesses. A lot of the transformations that they have come on the personal side I had a client recently who picked up the hobby of stained glass because it connected him back with the idea of his mother. People have had children. They have sold their houses. They have moved internationally to go find greater joy in different countries. I work with so many incredible human beings. And the only goal that I have overall is to help people literally love the life that they are creating and to prosper in it based on the energy that they have to give to it. And I think the more that we lean into that joy and that grace and the exuberance of just being able to live, like what a gift it is to be able to live and to create something where it is 100% yours and you still thrive within this created structure that is also around you. I just think that's one of the coolest things. Oh, I agree. I agree. So do you have a particular client that you work with? Clearly, it's not just women because you mentioned that you have male clients. Is it all entrepreneurial? Is there a certain a certain person that you gravitate toward or that you want to call into your world? I do work a lot with entrepreneurs, but I am really fascinated by and motivated by the individual who is curious about personal development. I really love working with men. I love working with women as well. So I kind of leave the door open to whoever is called to being in my space. As long as you are curious about growth and you are curious about utilizing your own energy in an authentic way so that you can really tackle these big vision goals that you have. And we get to do that in a way that's quicker than doing it on your own. Well, tell everybody where they can get in touch with you, where they can find you, where you hang out on social media, you know, all of those things where if they feel called to be in your space, where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So I hang out mostly on Facebook. You guys can find my personal page at Kate Sacred Solidity on Facebook. And then you guys can also check me out, connect with me and see some of the offers, products and services that I have on sacredsolidity.com. That is my website. And I am fully active on both since both have community aspects. Great. We will make sure all those links are in the show notes. And it's been so fun to talk to you and hear how you've discovered your own secret sauce and cracked your own code, if you will, for creating a meal planning system. And it's really more than a meal planning system. It's again, figuring out that synergy that works for you and your family so that you all feel seen, loved, and heard, including you, which I think is one of the things that we quite often miss. We make sure everybody else does and we forget about us. I really just love what you've shared with us today and really hope that it helps somebody who's listening. So thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. I will talk to all you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening to another episode of Mealtime Magic and Mayhem. 
thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please go hit that follow button, subscribe, leave us a review. And if you're ready to change what mealtime looks like for you, breaking that cycle of chaos and having more fun in the kitchen, build some confidence and discover your love of cooking, schedule your free Dish with Trish call at the link in the show notes. We'll chat a few minutes and you'll walk away with personalized strategies to take your mealtime routine from tired to inspired. See you next time.